0: The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 21 Janessa Vree could feel the sweat on her forehead, the ship's cabin stuffy and poorly ventilated. Her hands were still pressed tight against the sensors. She continued to look forward, ignoring her discomfort as she put her main focus on piloting, steadying her mind with the breathing exercises. The tension of a moment ago had subsided, after several dimensional jumps and a brief foray into a bizarre otherworld but her test flight was not quite done. She was almost there. The narrow tunnel opened at last, revealing a wide grotto in the Earth, an expansive geode of orange-yellow crystals whose many growths were illuminated in the artificial lighting the scientists had placed within. At the heart of the chamber stood a comparatively unassuming structure, a long rectangular building of black material, no markings or windows on its exterior. Janessa descended her ship, letting it coast down past the crystalline clusters and to a hangar door on the side of the building, which opened at her approach. Drifting within, she let it land in a small docking area where three ships similar to her own were parked. Janessa let loose a sigh of relief. She was here. She was successful. Turning off the ship with a mental command, she stepped out of her seat, through the door, and into the hangar, which smelled of metal and new plastic. Greetings. Said the figure before her, a metallic blue Reven form robot who was about her height. Welcome to Montaki Lab Station, Inner Core 1. You have successfully completed your test flight. I will now take you to the doctor. Janessa nodded, following the thin framed bot as it shimmied across the floor into a door on the opposite end of the hangar bay. The mechanical being opened the door and led her into a high-ceiling chamber, whose back wall was covered in a viewing screen that currently displayed a three-dimensional graph of some kind. The rest of the room consisted in numerous tables covered in gadgets, notepads, and a variety of devices, half of which she recognized. More robots like the one guiding her were within, tending to the various experiments. Several Reuvens were present as well, either dressed in pilots' uniforms like herself or in the robes of scientists. The robot led Janessa to the far side of the room, just beneath the viewing screen, where a familiar figure in purple stood in quiet discussion with two other Reuven folk. They turned around at her approach. Dr. Aliran Muntaki stood two heads above Janessa. The doctor was slight of build, if somewhat tall, and looked down at her with her gentle brown eyes, a warm smile on their lips. Like a growing number among the intellectual community, Dr. Muntaki did not identify as any binary gender, opting for the neutral purple robes of a technician, with neck-length hair of brown and red coloring. "'Ah, Janessa Vrie, stated the doctor, looking down at her with a gaze that seemed to look straight through her, to the inside. It wasn't a judgmental gaze, merely an observant one. There was a light in those eyes, metaphorically speaking.' One of our most promising pilots has returned from their test flight. Uh, that is you, of course. The doctor put on a wide smile. Our data shows that your connection to the ship's neural interface was complete, your operation of the systems fairly intuitive, your maneuvers exemplary, and your state of mind adequate for initiating a shift. So, suffice to say, you will be allowed into the piloting program and taught the intricacies of operating our vessels. Uh, uh, Thank you, Doctor, replied Janessa, feeling a tinge of nervousness in front of this person she had respected for so long. No need for thanks. I do you no favor. It is I who should be giving you a welcome. Welcome to the program, the next step in our society's growth. Like the others in this room, Janessa, you will play an integral part in our great work here. The Doctor made a small flourish, then glanced quickly around the room. And it would seem that all of you are here. The pilots, the technicians, and of course our loyal, mechanized servants. I believe it is about time for a proper introduction to the work you are going to be pursuing." Alira and Muntaki clapped their hands together, the room's previously bright lighting quickly dimmed to relative darkness. The large screen on the back wall simultaneously lit up, displaying an oversized image of what resembled one of the shift engines but with several added parts, spinning slowly in a three-dimensional profile. Yes, Yes. intoned Savaharthas at the edge of my consciousness. This This must be be it. it. This This is is what we we seek. seek. What the Veers veers seek. seek. A discovery worth worth pursuing pursuing you. you. Worth Worth devastating devastating a world for. Strange energy surged through me. The chill of recognition. The unveiling of a secret. An image of Dr. Aliran Muntaki, appeared in the corner of the forty-by-forty-foot screen, the scientist standing before a three-dimensional version of the company's logo, looking like a stylized tree. As Muntaki spoke, their voice was broadcast across the chamber, the various occupants looking up and listening intently. Janessa Free did likewise. Her attention grabbed. "'Welcome to the Muntaki Corporation Skyforce, my friends,' said the doctor, staring out at the crowd." This program is to be the first step of many that will transform our society. Those in this room, along with a handful of others, will be the pioneers of a new technology. Our ancestors traveled the land in carts driven by beasts. A few generations ago, our grandparents built mechanized cars to transport them across the land, or invented rockets to propel them through the skies. Simultaneously, they discovered the fuels hidden within Aruvus itself, which when burned would power their technologies. In time, with the arrival of our Voulda siblings, we would expand those technologies, perfecting the science of flight, building off-world satellites, even visiting our nearby planets. With the science of Vuldria on our side, our cities are now powered by energy from the sun, the wind, and even the heat of Aruvus itself. Upon the screen, Janessa watched as the subjects of Dr. Mundhaki's talk appeared, the succession of technology represented in vivid video for all to see. These technologies were all a necessary step to get us to where we are now, yet they all had their cost. And their continued use eventually placed a burden on our culture, creating pollution, waste, and helping to foster a system where a select group of owners ...gained advantage over their fellows. Under the old technologies, energy was a scarce thing. It had to be rationed, preserved, given to those who could afford it, who deserved it. But soon, that will be a thing of the past. Today, we have the shift engine, the first step toward a great change. You may have heard that the initial idea for the shift engine came to me in some sort of vision induced by drug use. This is not altogether false. The doctor smiled and nodded, chuckling quietly to themselves. But no, I was not munching on Morga Root, as people have joked. Several years ago I had developed a protocol for enhancing my brain's internal connections, fostering creativity and quickening the thought process. This included a thrice-weekly microdose of selvu mushrooms, well below the threshold for inducing psychoactive effects, plus a daily routine of breathing meditation, derived from the Vulda traditional practices. For the most part, the results were subtle, an enhance in mental acuity, a tendency to fall easier into a flow state, where I became more adept at piecing together the various ideas that would come to me. One morning... As I was reaching the peak of my meditation, sitting on my back porch and listening to the flan chirping above, I fell into a deeper, dream-like state, though retaining my full awareness, similar to what some researchers would call a lucid dream. All around me was a vast chasm of swirling colors and lights, filled with unusual sounds and new sensations. Within that void appeared a being, resplendent with light, glowing with a golden sheen its form proven but otherwise indiscernible. It did not speak, but I could feel it calling for my attention. That I gave, and I felt myself connected with it, to a presence both majestic and utterly loving, possessing a vast intellect and a great warmth. I could have basked in that presence for ages, but instead it showed me an image, a spinning shape of precise composition and proportions. As Muntaki spoke, the screen displayed an animated view of the experience, complete with a view of their garden porch, drifting flarn, and being of light. A chill ran up her spine as Janessa watched and listened. As Kef, I could feel something too. Recognition. Just looking at that depiction of Muntaki's vision, who was this mysterious light being? One of the Nihar? The Veyar? or something else altogether. I am not one to ordinarily put much faith in visions, continued Muntaki, but I am a person of science, and it is the role of a scientist to question their reality and look into possibilities. It would be as unscientific to utterly dismiss a dream as it would be to have blind faith in it. I look at all possibilities for the truth, no matter their strangeness. I do not know whether what I experienced was a vision from the divine or an expression of my inner mind, but I do know that it gave me the answers I needed. Another image appeared, the same image of that shift engine that Janessa had spotted earlier, this time in higher definition, the camera zooming in to highlight the various spinning parts. Behind me is a model of a shift engine. It is similar to what is found in the starships you have all flown but the technically astute among you may notice a few key differences. This here is a prototype, an experimental hyper-shift engine that I present as the next step. Our current generation is still partially held back by the laws of classical physics. The ships still require fuel to operate. While in flight, they will lose energy over time and will eventually need to be recharged. But when it is operating at its peak, A properly built shift engine will utilize an alternate style of physics, a multidimensional physics. I will not bore you with the details, but remember that the engine itself operates on the idea of reaching into different frequencies of reality simultaneously. We should be able to pull from these realities vast amounts of energy, capable of being cycled through the new shift engine to produce near-infinite fuel, once perfected, This engine will not only be used for starships, but by everyone. It will replace the need for conventional energy of any sort, and may very well overturn our union's economy entirely. Yet such a step is needed to rise above the past and step boldly into a new present, free from the limitations of our history. The image you see behind me, continued Muntaki, is not of a computer model but of the actual engine, a prototype located just below this room. When powered, it will be able to provide this base with all its energy needs. Today, before you all, I will turn it on. Janessa felt her innards flutter in excitement. The crowd of pilots, researchers, and press media waited in hushed anticipation as Dr. Muntaki pressed a small button on the table next to them. All waited for the machine to turn on to activate, to bring the new source of energy that would be free and available to everyone, that would change the course of Aruvis's culture forever. It never occurred. The view screen went black. Then there was a great shaking throughout the room. A rumble from above. Janessa watched as the room's lighting turned red, the emergency power activating. The view screen finally lit up again, but this time it was an image of the skies above. The clouds were tinted red, like the lights in this room. The sun's light seemed dim and far away. Then the ships appeared, like so many beasts of the sky. Ugly things like enormous avian abominations, or crab-like monstrosities that must have been as big as towns, along with the smaller vessels that swarmed from them in the thousands. These were no ships of Aruvis, not a part of their program or any other nations, not even the Vulda. This was something else, and she could feel her skin shaking as she looked at it. In my mind, I could once more feel the presence of Savaharthus stirring. Yes, that that is is what what we we seek, seek. also Also what what they they seek. seek. That tech? The engine? Indeed. Indeed. I don't get it, I thought. Why would the Veyr care about some tech developed on a farm world? I mean, aside from destroying it to maintain their little harvesting operation. Ordinarily, they would not. This is... different. We are not certain how Dr. Muntaki may have acquired such concepts, or who may have ultimately influenced their invention. But the Reuven shift engine technology is clearly far too advanced to have been developed by farm-worlders, and may even contain elements more advanced than the Veer possess. Thus, I believe they seek to acquire it for their own use, which of course would be catastrophic for the Nair, and for the galaxy as a whole. It is also clear that you, as Janessa are aware of the exact location of Mundaki's hidden laboratory, along with the ability to utilize this technology. Uh, everyone wants a piece of me, it seems. I admit, I felt kind of proud. So what do I do? Hide away somewhere? Fly to some distant galaxy until all this blows over? No, answered the telepathic being. The course of action is clear at this point. Our goal is to reach the secret lab before the Veyr do. My communications with the Council and the Monad confirm this. E-mission will be mounted for this result, and you will be updated on any further action required of you. For now, this session has ended. We have the information we seek. I am withdrawing. I could sense Savaharthas doing just that, withdrawing their presence from my mindscape, the Elder Nayar's powerful psyche fading away in seconds. I remained, couched in the perspective of Vri, as all eyes were drawn to the invaders and as ship after ship appeared on the viewscreen, the there fleet arriving in full, the scene melted away, just like all the others had. I found myself in the midst of a void, the image of Janessa Vre's life fading off like flotsam down a river. I lingered in that void, alone. I was not being watched now. Sevaharthas was gone. I coasted further back, past Janessa Vrie. Beyond the height of Reuven civilization, beyond Aruvis itself. Then I was in the before, prior to my ever being born on that dusty world. I was there again, at the helm of another ship, zooming towards an unknown destination, through a tunnel of starry light. It was an advanced ship of a design I didn't recognize. But I knew it. I knew this moment. I had dreamt it before. This was my moment. This was my mission. I knew I had been someone else before even Aruvis. My succession of lifetimes did not lead back through that planet's history. Instead, it began elsewhere, among the stars. The only distinct memory of it was this, that I had come to this planet for a reason, for a purpose. That purpose was hidden behind a mental lock that even in this hyper-inward state, I could not pick. My old self was strong, whoever they had been. They were mighty of will, resolute, and giving no scrags to anyone. You will know when the time is right. The memories are hidden for the mission. They have ways of reading your mind, of searching your thoughts and your emotions. So you cannot know who you truly are. Not yet. His presence was a tingle. A spike of confidence. Bravado accompanied by wisdom, like a benevolent trickster. Who was this person? Who was I? I was immediately thrust into his perspective, losing self once more. But just flashes. Vague. Dreamy. Like Janessa, he was a pilot. At the helm of an advanced vessel of unknown make. Ahead of him shone the green globe of Ruvus. Tinged with orange, more green than any Uruvis Kef could recall. Behind it shone the stars of the local sector. He was here for a mission. What mission? No answer. Another flash, a vision of speeding through the clouds, toward the surface, of being pursued by enemies, they are Vigle. The mysterious pilot had only contempt for them. Lesser life forms, non sentient biotech junk. He could defeat them easily, stealth past them even easier, but he did not. Pilot kept his focus, giving a silent goodbye to his own vessel, as he unstealthed and headed right for the nearest Vigley craft, unloading his lasers. A brief shot of pain as they collided, both erupting in a conflagration of light. The pilot's body dissolved. Then I was no longer him. I hovered in a void. Below me a great stream of pure energy, diverse colors intermingling until they formed an endless river that sped off into every direction. Above me was only black. I had no sense of body here, only of awareness. In this bizarre non-place, I could sense other aspects of myself, present as tiny rivulets in that infinite stream. Rayleigh, birds. Even Bakibra, who I had seen no sign of during my past life journeys. I could sense the others, too. Those who I had been. Janessa. Garavil. Yella. And deeper still, the unnamed pilot who had died upon Aruvis. There was a succession of lifetimes, extending out indefinitely, but hidden from even this metaphysical memory system. There was greatness there untold ages spent among the stellar cosmos, exploring the vastness of space, fighting impossible battles, solving the riddles of mind and spirit, wearing the skin of man or woman, mortal and god. But before Ruvis it was all hidden away, as if it was erased, or just locked behind doors that not even the wisest of Nayar could open that even their vaunted monad could not detect. As if my latent stealth powers didn't just work physically, but could turn parts of my mind invisible, even to myself. But why? What was there to hide? What was the truth? Stay the course, said the quiet voice from within. Like the unnamed pilot, but subtly different. You are on the right path. You came to Aruvis for a reason. You were taken up by the Nyar for that same reason. You will know when your time is at hand. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoy the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.